Hi, everyone. It is Joy Rizal with Black Girl Joy. I am so excited about this episode. I can't even explain. Today, we have a super special guest who I'm going to let introduce herself, but we're talking all about parenting. But before we get started, remember to like and subscribe in all the places and all the way. Share, like, comment, do all that stuff. Follow in all the places. And remember, join the conversation. Comment as we go. I'll be reading out comments and putting them on the screen. All right. So let me welcome our special guest. Hey. Hey, this is MJ Larkin. Can you give an introduction? Hey everybody. Um, for those that don't know me, I also my name is my name is also <laughs> I go by MJ, but my name is Markara. So you may have seen me on some other platforms as well. I am a licensed associate practicing counselor, LAPC. Um, I've been in the field a little bit over two years. I currently specialize in working with women who are in transition. So that looks like uh, women who are uh, divorced, learning how to co-parent, who are new parents, um, learning how to transition in friendships, career, and just all things life transitions. Um, currently contracting with Port Counseling. Um, so yes, if you need a therapist, I am currently accepting clients. So thank you for having me. No, this is amazing. So I'm going to put her information in the comments so you can look her up. All right. So MJ does these amazing um, posts and groups about parenting. And I saw you had like a LGBTQ plus um, group. And I was like, oh gosh, I got to have her on because I, I love talking about parenting because to me, it can be very complex and it can be very controversial if you dig into the complexities of it. Ooh, okay. You starting off. I like, that part. I like that part. <laughs> That's my favorite part. That is my favorite part <laughs> because I think there's a lot of realities. I think we're all very sensitive about being parents, right? It's a very sensitive topic and you don't want to fail per se. But just to give you a high level of where I come from when I think about parenting is I always say parenting is an experiment <laughs> and there is no, it's like when you're in chemistry class, right? Or you're in whatever class you do experiments in science. <laughs> um, but you, you don't have a manual, right? You don't have a textbook. Right. So you have this very unique being that mm -hmm. you now have to nurture and hope they turn out okay. And you can do everything you think is right and something could go wrong, right? So there's no yes. manual. So it's to me, I consider it a social experiment. And I hope my other saying, which people probably won't like, is we're all going to mess up our kids in some way. I already know my child got issues for me. I have anxiety and I, like, and I have to work on pulling stuff back. And so when I say anxiety, I do mean the the your therapist. So I do mean that. Yeah, anxiety, the actual but just, disorder. Yeah. The actual, like, I have anxiety, but I also just, the general, like, ah, like, everything has to be perfect. Duh, duh, duh. So I'm like, okay, how am I impacting him and unsafe? Like, how am I going to, like, what is my child going to look back at me and say, man, she could have did better. <laughs> like, you really did that wrong. And I, I kind of, like, fully accept that. So mm -hmm. when I thought about your LGBTQ plus 
and your parenting group, I immediately thought about like radical acceptance. Like do parents truly really accept their children? And what does that mean? Right. And so I could see in your area, like how that would be like big if you're talking about LGBTQ kids, that's a huge thing. Um, But I think it could be seen on all levels. So when you work with kids and parents, do you talk about like accepting your child for who they are? So one of the things that I try to talk about, like off the bat is you are dealing with another human being. Mm -hmm. I think one of the misconceptions about parenting is that, you know, no matter how many children you have, is that, oh, I'm going to love this kid, you know, because I didn't get certain things as a kid. So sometimes the idea of your parenting style is not based on the needs of the actual human being in front of you. It is literally created based on what you did not get as a kid. So instead of creating this opportunity of, oh, let me allow myself to learn my child and address their needs, you go from a place of, oh, so these are all the things I didn't get, A through Z, and I'm going to give that all to you. And in turn, you miss out on an opportunity to, number one, get to know the person you're actually raising. And number two, you actually do yourself a disservice because you're kind of feeding more into, um, you know, your environment coming up. So again, that's one of the first things I try to teach is that you are dealing with another human being. The next thing I try to teach my parents is that you didn't do anything wrong. A lot of times, especially when we talk about children who identify um, as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, is that the parent did something wrong along the way. Oh, I should have done this with little Timmy, or I should have done this with little Sarah. And truth be told, you you don't know. So sometimes the idea of parenting is surrounded, again, not just about trying to give your child what you didn't get, but how can I get it right? So Mm -hmm. those are some terms that I try to help parents do away with. Um, And in full transparency, I myself, I'm a parent of a 14-year-old. I've had to check my own self because I'm like, ooh, you're doing that thing again. Um, and I'm not giving her a chance to grow and be who, you know, who she's called to be. Now, that's a really interesting point. So I thought about how we often base, our, our parenting is really based off of what we saw as parent, as our as kids, as we grew up as parents. And we say, I like, we kind of cherry pick, right? Like, I yep. like that they did this, but I didn't like that, that they yep. did that. And I feel like sometimes, and this isn't anything that happened in your childhood, sometimes we'll pick out that thing we don't like or that we really dislike, and we'll try to run so far away from it that we either end up at the other extreme or we end up doing the exact same thing, sometimes in a different form, but we'll end up doing the exact same thing. So an interesting thing for me, like accepting my child was, my parents didn't celebrate my birthday. I got cakes. You know, but I never got to have a party. <laughs> so oh. I always felt this thing like, oh, I got to celebrate Jalen's birthday. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to. Right. And Jay was like, he's at a point now he's that. 15. He's like. <laughs> and so I would be like stressed out. Like, what am I going to Like, even this year, I'm like, you're about to turn 16. What am I going to do for your birthday? I'm like, 
This child don't even want nothing. I'm over here stressed out and all he want to do is play games to five o'clock in the morning and want me to leave him alone. If I said that's what he got for his birthday, that's what he would want. But it's really hard for me to accept that because I feel like, no, he's like, when he gets older, he's going to be like me and he's going to feel like he missed out. Right. Yeah. True acceptance actually starts with you. So it's not mm -hmm. about you learning. It's not about us learning to accept our children. It's about us learning how to make peace with our with our past and with our present. Um, when we think, when I teach acceptance, aside from the definition of acceptance, right? I try to help my parents see like the different components of acceptance. Mm. And sometimes acceptance is a process. So if you break that down and allow yourself to kind of take a step back, what are some things about yourself that you're still learning to accept? And I think, excuse me, when it comes to parenting, it's easy to project those things onto our children and assume that we can nurture them so that we can nurture ourselves, but we're actually creating a bigger wound for us. Mm -hmm. So until you actually go back and you, and like we allow ourselves to just kind of examine, okay, what are some wounds that are still hurting? Um, for example, you know, I watch my daughter with my mom and I'm like, wow, this must have been how my mom felt with my grandmother, who's still alive, by the way, and still is the same, <laughs> even though I'm older and she's older. But I think about those instances where I've watched my mom be the mom I wish she would have been for me. Mm -hmm. And so those are some areas when I find myself feeling that way. I have to check myself and I'm like, okay, I'm dealing with another human being. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm very mindful. I wasn't before, but I think just not just in this profession, but again, just doing their personal work, I've been able to see like, oh, you're doing that thing again that, you know, I wish you yeah. would. Oh, yeah. Now that's so interesting because I always um, refer to this I don't know if this is an exact saying, but I watch Yonla a lot. <laughs> and so one of the things she talked about, though, when it came to a parent-child relationship was how we romanticize what a parent is supposed to be. Yes. And it's like, for me as an adult, when I was able to say, like, okay, my mama did the best she knew how based on what she knew, yeah. right? My yeah. dad did the best he knew how based on what he knew at the time. And I'm going to do the best I know how based on what I knew. That acceptance that it wasn't going to be perfect. And sometimes even digging into like their history to be like, you know what? Like I can give them a break. I, <laughs> I can give them a break. Yeah. That really helped me with my relationship with them and probably also my relationship with Jalen. Because it takes the pressure off. I mean, if you think about it, you're not just giving them grace, but it also gives you an opportunity to give yourself grace. Mm -hmm. And what I see a lot of times is as parents, we have so much pressure on ourselves because we're trying to live up to this idea of what we had or did not have. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've worked with parents and, you know, they talk so highly of their Mom and dad is like, oh, they were great. And then the other parent is like, my dad was an alcoholic. And mm -hmm. there are some things that are still triggering for me. So I'm hard on him because I don't want him to be like my dad. 
not yeah you know, i don't want him to be like me i don't want him to be like what i grew up with so yeah. there are so many dynamics that play you know a part into not just who we are as individuals but our parenting style overall yeah i think for me it was i i didn't have the traditional or I won't say traditional, I'll say the stereotypical Black parents, right? So when people say, well, I can't tell my mama nothing, I'm like, really? <laughs> like, like, you can't tell your mama she was wrong? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> so I grew up, and one of the things I'm really grateful for is that I grew up in a household where, honestly, me and my mom be like, hey, i like, mom, you know that was wrong. Now you know that sounds crazy. Like I could, we could have those conversations, right. and I I really appreciate that because it allows me to allow my child to correct me. And I think people struggle with that, but for me, like I may get offended a little bit, like like you know you need to go sit down, like you going too far, you pushing it. But I think for me, allowing him to be able to correct me it teaches me a lot about myself and he does like he checked me and he'd be right sometimes. So I'm, I'm like, yeah, you are right. But I think being able to accept that kind of feedback and have that open relationships is like, okay, he know I got issues. I know he got his own set of stuff going on and we can have that relationship that creates a, a, a larger space for acceptance. But you, but one of the things, um, that's really good about you having that foundation is that everything that he says doesn't always sound like an attack. Mm -mm. Sometimes we as parents have their, have a difficult time allowing our children to come to us and say, I didn't like when you yelled at me, or I didn't think that that was fair that, you know, you didn't yell at my sibling, but you really got onto me and we did the same thing. And again, it goes back to learning how to accept yourself. Sometimes certain things sound like an attack. So if your parents were always writing you about grades, the person you dated, your friends, extracurricular activities, putting pressure about college and things like that, there's not a lot of room, number one, for conversation. And then it also kind of creates this idea that, okay, well, there's this idea that there's no room for error as well. Mm -hmm. So then the danger becomes you kind of are molding this individual into a perfectionist and perfectionism is rooted in fear. And so it's, it's the fear of something. It does, it's not always tied to the same fear because we could both have the same fear, right? We could both mm -hmm. have fear, but it'd be rooted in something different. Mm -hmm. But when we get into those, those, you know, uh, characteristics of like being a perfectionist or mm -hmm. someone yeah. who is like a, you know, an, an extreme overachiever or something or other things like that, those things are rooted in fear. And so when you actually take the time to address the fear, then you create more space in your relationship, um, you know, within for your child and within for yourself. So everything doesn't sound so hard and it doesn't seem like an attack. Yeah, and that's a really good point. So I do struggle with perfectionism. I came up in a house like you were just expected to do. And I feel like, the times, like the crucial times when my parents didn't accept what I want to do, they those periods changed my life completely, right? When right. it was like, 
okay, I want to graduate and I want to move to Atlanta. You don't need to move to Atlanta. So then I ended up on this path that led me to a whole different world, right? Listen. Then probably if I would have <laughs> did what I do, look, if I would have did what I wanted to do, it probably would have been a different place right now. I would have been rich. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, that's what I feel like would have happened. <laughs> but I feel like for me, as a single parent, I feel like there's even more pressure, and I may be wrong because I don't. I'm not not a single parent, right? I may be wrong, but I feel an immense amount of pressure as a single mom of a black son, and it's this balance of trying to accept him, but there's also this. I know what the world is gonna accept, right? <laughs> right? And it's very very difficult, and so in particular, I think I've struggled with my community, right? And I will say the black men in my community mm -hmm. and that pressure to not accept my son how he is. Yes, he's not in sports. And I would be like, it's okay. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, like, I got enough stuff to worry about. <laughs> but, but it's that, that pressure of trying to accept him for who he is and then the pressure from the outside world telling me what not to accept. Well, I think the biggest thing, even with that, is addressing why you feel that way. And again, as a parent, um, it's easy to look on social media, especially with our uh, black and brown children. Mm -hmm. um, this idea of good is mediocre. So you kind of create this individual who is very on top. And again, that's when you get into that being an overachiever because it's this idea of, oh, no, I have to get this perfect or I have mm -hmm. to be right and not do it wrong. Again, you're, you're helping this individual create this ideal world that is not real. Um, because, again, sometimes it's hard to accept failure. Failure for someone who is an overachiever, that is like the death of all things because it's like, I didn't just let me down. I let my grandma down and my unborn children down. And I think, again, we've allowed society to tell us what we should and should not do again instead of allowing us to um, get to actually learn and understand our children. I get it. We do have different rules as black and brown people. We just do. Mm -hmm. It's been like that since before we were here. And it would be great if things could change, but we have to be the change we want to see. And it starts mm -hmm. at home with teaching something different, instilling those values that, you know, the person that doesn't look like you or looks like you, they're not their competition. Like, yes, the world would tell you you have to get all these things, but we've just seen more and more how that's all been a lie. It's mm -hmm. all been a lie. You don't have to look a certain way, speak a certain way, act a certain way to do a certain thing. Um, but it's almost like, you know, this club, right, that you mm -hmm. just want to get into. And it's like, oh, if I do A through Z, I'm going to get in the club. And then when you get in, you're like, wow, I don't even like these people. No, it's <laughs> whack. Or I don't the even like right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like to do this thing I was dying to do. But that again, it's all it's all a how can I say it? it's all been constructed in my opinion to keep 
um, keep us uh, doing a certain thing because other people benefit when we don't recognize our own self-worth. So Mm -hmm. I'm raising a black female. You're raising a black male. You know, we have certain core things we do have to teach them. But also I'm mindful. I'm even more mindful now that I don't feed more into what I came up with. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I didn't, you know, nobody ever blatantly told me like, no, you have to be better than da 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 da. Mm -hmm. But it was understood that that was the standard. It was understood. Yeah. So I didn't question it. I didn't live up to it all the way that, you know, they wanted me to, but I didn't question it because it was just this underlying principle. Mm-hmm. But now, again, within our generation, we have an opportunity um, to do something different. And I tell my clients all the time, opportunities are not always given. You have to create an opportunity yeah. to create a space within, especially when we talk about self-acceptance and self-worth and self-love. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like when you didn't like achieve this high bar, right? Cause I feel like me and you probably have similar things going on. Oh, with really? <laughs> I feel like we similar thing on. It started out like in pre-K together, right? So I feel like we were in like Miss Fry's class together. Um, yes. so I feel like we had like a similar thing going on. Do you feel like when you didn't achieve what your parents had envisioned for you, that that was an opportunity to teach them acceptance? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, No, I don't Mm. feel that way. I don't feel that way. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, For the longest, in just full transparency, for the longest, their ideals of me became mine. Okay. And even though we are like they were a unit, we knew that they were a unit. Like all four of us knew, like, nope, don't, because they're one person. Mm-hmm. But my dad's view was I'm working this hard because I don't want you to work this hard. Mm-hmm. My mom's view of working hard is like, I want you to be self-sufficient. That's mm-hmm. it. But what ended up happening is I didn't go the route that they wanted me to go. Mm-hmm. And instead of me, instead of, again, creating an opportunity for them to accept me, I actually worked myself to try to make them accept me, if that makes sense. Ooh. So kind of like trying to bend it to be to like, oh, hey, I did some of the things, but not all of the things, but I'm still a yeah. good, kid, good kid, right? Yeah. So in my 30s, it was like this light bulb moment of like, oh, they had their reasons of why they created these expectations for you. My dad grew up in a time where they're still in the fields picking. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But we out of slavery. This is them. This is their job. <laughs> like, yeah, this, you know, until he actually... 60s, 60s? Yes, yes. So until he actually, yeah. you know, got different positions, that was his take on hard work. My mm-hmm. mother, like my grandmother, um, pushed education. So mm-hmm. I got it from both sides. And the yeah. top goal was do more than us, right? Yeah. But it seemed that I was always working 
to be loved because in my assumption, I was like, oh, they're not loving me the way I want to. How can I make them love me? And I recently stopped doing that because I've just learned that they had their reasons and that created a chip on my shoulder. So that's why when I work with my parents, I try to tell them like in out the gate, like, listen, until you check you, <laughs> yeah. you will have more issues with little Timmy and Sarah yeah. than you think you do. So you might be coming in for communication and little Timmy might have low self-esteem because you keep yelling at him doing math homework. Yeah. And see, it's stuff that is, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, finish. No, I was just going to say, like, it's, it's instances like that as a parent, we miss, you know, and we don't realize the impact that it makes on our kids in the long run. Yeah, no, that's such a, that was such an interesting story about you and your parents, because for me, it's almost like, I don't know, like, it was just different, right? So right. for me, it was always like, okay, you know, Zell. That's my, don't call me Zell, it's my house name. Don't nobody else call me Zell, okay? Just, I won't, I will not respond. Right. Um, but, you know, it was like, oh, she gonna go to college. She make all A's. She a goody two shoes. You know, like that was just the, they didn't say that, right? But that was right. the thing. And I think for me, and this is like a lot of self-disclosure that when I became a impregnated single mother, that I was so ashamed. Like I was so ashamed. And it was this, it was a whole thing. I won't even go into the details, but it was a thing where it was like, oh, even one of our classmates who was one of my friends, um, and I won't say who it was, was like, oh, you thought you were all that. I had to come, I had to move back to Fitzgerald. They're like, oh, you thought you was all that. Now look where you at, you back here with us. And I was like, well, when, when was all that mean to you? Like, what's <laughs> And my mama was very tough on me and it was like, nope, you can't have no baby shower because you you pregnant out of it. It was like this whole thing. And then once my child was born, right? My and my mama told me, she was like, I, I done got rid of my kids. Like, I ain't gonna do this, I ain't gonna do that. And I was like, ah, oh, what the heck I done got myself into? <laughs> and crying every day. It was a mess. But once he was born, I think it really, really, like, they had a dramatic shift mm -hmm. on acceptance. Mm -hmm. And it was it was miracle-like, right? It was like, oh, no, you're not taking my baby from Fisher. You're not taking... It was a, right. My mama kept my son for four years, right? Mm -hmm. And she and I had to tell her, he has to leave. <laughs> he has to leave. He has to come with me. But... I think for them, even though it happened once we were all grown, it was a dramatic shift. Now they ain't accept everything, but it's a dramatic shift in their ability to accept things. And I think for me, I had got to such a point at that point in my life that I had to accept that things were not going to be the way that I expected them. And I learned a lot about acceptance and parenting. And so that's a lot. But just to transition that, the other part of that was the guilt that came on with being a single parent and accepting that situation and how 
the the struggle to accept that situation created a lot of I would guess friction for me, a lot of doing things out of guilt, a lot mm -hmm. of shame. And I was able to get over parts of it, right? But I really had to work through that because it, it affected my parenting because I had a guilt associated with, I ain't got you no daddy. I, got, I was out here looking for me and I'm like, you got a kid, you good to him? Like, don't you want to be with me? Like, can we get together? It's this idea, so, yeah, it's this, it's this idea of, again, I even find myself trying to recreate or just create this life that I would have loved to live for Morgan. Um, mm -hmm. But I think for me, what I've just had to unlearn is that I don't have to, um, I don't have to overwork for her love. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was the biggest part, especially when it came to dating after um, her dad and I broke up. It took me four years to really heal because we were engaged and my world came crashing down because I didn't realize how much I built this ideal for her. I said it was for her, but it was for me so that yeah. I didn't feel bad that I could keep my family together. Mm -hmm. And it almost cost me a lot of things, especially my peace. Yeah. Um, but I look back on those instances and I'm like, I've, I've had to learn from them. I've had to take that time. And um, one of the things I was just talking about um, was that when I got pregnant with Morgan, I wasn't ashamed. I was like 21, no, she wasn't playing but I didn't feel ashamed, right? And I didn't know shame until someone told me that I should be ashamed, that I should be ashamed because I'm not married and all these things. But what happens when you're telling your child something that has nothing to do with the child is solely based on you. Mm -hmm. so I'm yelling at Morgan for a grade, but what I'm really saying is please don't do the thing that's gonna break my back and make me look like a bad parent. Oh, yes. You know? Oh, when we talk about single oh, parenting, oh. I hear that so much from a lot of the women that I work with, you know, is that I'm ashamed. I feel guilty because I, my child doesn't have a two parent home. And I think for me, one of the things, again, I try to teach is you have to address the things within yourself. Mm -hmm. um, if you are feeling rejected, if you are struggling with low self-esteem, that has nothing to do with the child. Mm hmm. Right? solely based on you. And so I even look at that through my lens when it comes to parenting my own daughter. No, I am not perfect by any means. Um, I'm guilty of comparison. I'm guilty of projecting at times. I'm guilty of not saying the right, the right thing or the, mm -hmm. you know, the, the best thing to her when it when I'm upset or something that she's done. But I do give her a space to come and talk to me and say, I didn't like that or that hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. I try to just create this um, this space because if I give her the space to share with me, I give her an, um, the foundation to do the same thing with the world so yeah. that she, she knows how to empower herself so her power is not taken away because someone, she you know, this guy or her friends don't accept her. Yes, life is hard and yes, things do happen. But my self-worth is not based upon what your ideals of me are or what they were. That's amazing. And I think 
for me, it was when I accepted the fact that things weren't going to be the fairy tale that I had in my head, pregnant with twins at 24 and married and <laughs> all this other stuff that we do. Girl. <laughs> when we were like five, we were like, oh, this yes. is going to happen. Once I was able to really, <laughs> truly accept that. And this is the critical part. I learned this from Yola too. Y'all go watch Fix My Life. Just a plug. <laughs> the real critical part for me was once I really accepted that I don't know that things would be better. I know for a fact that if I would have stayed the path I was going with the person who I was with, when they say, oh, you should be married. No, I shouldn't. If I would have got married before today, I would have been divorced five times. I'm just telling the truth. I should not have been married during that time. And I know for a fact that my life is better. I, I am creating a more healthy lifestyle for my child by myself than I would have in that particular right. situation. Mm -hmm. And so accepting that it might not have been better is part of it. Now, MJ has a tight schedule. So <laughs> I am, it's going to be so abrupt what I'm going to say we're going to close. Um, what I want to do is for you to, again, share your, um, share your things and you can drop and we'll, we'll finish this up. So I'm going to put your your posters up and you can tell us about what you have going on. All right. I currently have a free parenting group. That is right, ladies and gentlemen, it is free. Um, Rizelle, I did not realize I told you the wrong flyer. I will send you the correct one. <laughs> I will take this one down. First and third. No, you can keep it up because people need to see how to reach me. Okay. <laughs> it's every uh, first and third Wednesday of the month. The time did not change. Um, it is, as you can see, there'll be one group for middle and high school and then another group for parents of what I call littles um, from elementary and back. Um, I also, so that is through Port Counseling. I also have an imposter, um, all women's group that is starting in August. Y'all, I am so excited about this group. Um, it deals with women of color in the workplace. And we'll talk about self-awareness, self-confidence, and self-esteem and all things um, self. How can you reach me? Um, Rizelle, we are going to have to do a part two. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me. How can you reach me on Instagram at FaithWorks Coaching? And if you need to, if you'd like to start therapy, if you've been looking for a Black female therapist, I am um, currently accepting clients at Port Counseling. Um, you can reach me at portcg.com. Click on Marcara and request your free consultation and let's get you started. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Y'all can follow me in all the places. We don't have time to do that. I'll do it next week. I'll talk to you later. Peace out. Right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>